The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to the Women's Sanctuary, the podcast about tending the soul of women, sisterhood, and the rise of the sacred feminine. I'm your host, Arlia Hoffman. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. One day, you finally knew what you had to do and began, though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice, though the whole house began to tremble and you felt the old tug at your ankles. Mend my life, each voice cried, but you didn't stop. You knew what you had to do. Though the wind pried with its stiff fingers at the very foundations, though their melancholy was terrible, it was already late enough, and a wild night, and the road full of fallen branches and stones. But little by little, as you left their voices behind, the stars began to burn through the sheets of clouds. And there was a new voice which you slowly recognized as your own that kept you company as you strode deeper and deeper into the world, determined to do the only thing you could do, determined to save the only life you could save. By Mary Oliver. I bet we probably can't even count the number of lives saved by that poem. I know it has upheld me many a day and many a night. Today I want to share with you more of my story. In the last episode we talked about the tumultuous end to my own marriage. And I was thrust into this very dark tunnel of my own awakening. And that happens for all women, regardless of who initiates a divorce. Even if it's not your choice, it does become a life-changing event, and you have to become a new person because of it. You're forced into examining the assumptions and the habits of your life. The opportunity becomes, can you awaken 
what's real inside of you. Examine it and decide again who you are and begin to discover who you are. You know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Loyalty to a toxic relationship is also insanity. But I did it. We all do it. Well, maybe maybe some of us do it. Maybe not all of us do it. But a lot of us do it. To be safe. To be comfortable. For the known. For the promise of comfort now instead of the risk of the unknown. I wrote this in my journal about a year after leaving. To feel trapped in an ill-fitting garment that daily makes you feel incompetent, uncomfortable, and ugly while stripping you of your identity causes plenty of emotional damage. It's odd how the pain ties you to the commitment as much as the inertia. The pain and overwhelm can lead you to live in this moment, and so that is a precious gift. I would have loved to have a easy, amicable separation and divorce, but it was not to be. I was burning on the inside, and I had no consciousness of any other way to do it. I was on fire, and I couldn't conceive or how to do it gently or slowly. And because it was a tangled web of relationship between my problems and his problems, I was equal parts martyr and rebel. I look back now and see all the ways I martyred myself to keep family and home together, to keep the peace, and the way I rebelled unconsciously and consciously because of that. Both those forces were fighting it out inside of me, and it was tearing me apart. I stuffed myself into this set of rules that never fit me well, and began to chafe and irritate and eventually wear down my soul. A year out from the divorce, I still had a fire raging inside. And eventually I learned how to build a relationship to that fire, to watch it, to listen to it, to begin to understand what it was telling me. Treating it as the creative source that it was, it was my own fire burning within me, telling me that something had to change. I had to learn to build a bridge to it because it was part of me and begin to explore it. I also began to work with the idea of forgiveness. And one of the things that really helped me was that saying, which I can't really attribute it to anyone because there's so much debate about who said it. Forgiveness 
means giving up all hope for a better past. So I had to slowly give up the hope that my relationship could have been any different or that it could ever be retrieved. I remember the first summer, so that would have been three or four months after the divorce, I took my girls to the beach. And we saw, walking on the beach, a family of four, husband, wife, two kids. And they looked really happy. And it absolutely devastated me because I was full of shame and self-judgment. How come I couldn't do that? How come I couldn't be the successful wife and mother? That's what the shame was telling me. Look at what you couldn't do. You couldn't hold it together. Oh, that voice is so, so mean. And so I lost it. I lost it right there on the beach. And my daughter looked at me and she said, what's going on? And I told her. And I think that was, I was honest with her because it was important for her to know that it wasn't easy for me. It wasn't a walk in the park. I had wanted a relationship to work and I had worked really hard at it to the expense of my own soul. One of the ways the fire expressed itself in me was photography, creativity, writing, a lot of writing, poetry, and sex. Absolutely a lot of sex. It was one thing that my body and my ego and my psyche needed to feel the desire, needed to feel desired, needed to experience that. And it was important for me to feel, own, and reclaim my own agency, my choice, my femininity, my my whole persona. I had to rebuild that. And I noticed that in the course of dating and talking with men and other women that their their mirroring of me helped me rebuild. You know, I would I would gauge what they would say based on is that something I feel is true for me or isn't true for me and began to rebuild my sense of beauty and worthiness. And you know, I I can feel I can feel your judgment. I can feel a lot of feedback from that of people thinking, well, shouldn't your value have been independent of other people? And absolutely, in a well-formed ego with self-respect and um you know, inner work, you do have a healthy self-identity and self-respect, but I wasn't healthy at all. And I could see how people could easily fall into that that pattern of of dating and lots of people and lots of sex and a lot of that feedback from those interactions to just keep them hyped up and keep their ego their fragile ego um, 
happy. Right? It's those, it's like, it's like candy. It's like going to the candy store and buying lots of candy. It's so yummy. It tastes so good. And it's a temporary high. And I knew it was, I knew it was temporary. I knew I had to do the deeper work. And at the very same time, I was doing a lot of reading, a lot of psychology, a lot of uh, Clarissa Pinkola Estes, Eat, Pray, Love came out about that time. Um, and then also Dance of the Dissident Daughter by Sue Monk Kidd, another woman who had been raised as a Christian and her experience was very different from mine. But fundamentally, she came to the same conclusion that that she had to form her own identity. She had to discover who she was and live life on her own terms. And, you know, there was that, that pang inside of me that I couldn't have done it as smoothly as she presented it. For her, it was, it was a very deep inner journey, and her husband, partner, stood by her and supported her And they managed to navigate that journey together. Clarissa Pinkola Estes in Women Who Run With the Wolves shares the story of Vasilisa and the girl who escaped from an abusive life. She put her mother's little doll in her pocket and she would consult that, that doll and you know, the doll would say, no, don't go that way, go this way. Or, no, don't talk to that person, go down this way. And the doll kept her safe. And so I began to listen to that little voice inside of me, to understand through the fairy tales what I had been through and what needed to be healed and transformed inside of me. About that time, I also found an excellent therapist, and I'm here to tell you, that was not part of my history. It was not an acceptable thing in my family to seek professional help, and I would absolutely recommend it to anyone needing support. It is amazing what a different perspective will do for you. Now, just like in dating, it's got to be a good match, right? You don't want somebody's voice in your ear who is not respectful of your process, who doesn't witness you, who doesn't sit with you and support you and cheer you on, but also speak truth to you with love. But I found it. I remember the day I walked into her office. I was a train wreck. And the moment I walked in, I felt so safe that I just fell apart. And that was the very best thing that could have happened for me because I needed a place to fall apart. There was no one else supporting me. I had lost my group of friends. I had lost the neighborhood friends. I had lost the church friends. I had a few friends at work. But basically, I was, you know, toughing it out, trying to look like the strong woman for my girls and trying not to be negative about my ex-partner and had no context for how to 
express that that experience and all those feelings and get adequate support. I was in the underworld. I was looking for myself, stripping away all that wasn't me. I was going through a, a death and rebirth. I was searching for my own feminine, my own wild feminine. And she was wild, and she was out of control for a little while. But as that fire burned, I learned to dance with it, to dance with her, to dance with my own power, to understand what she needed, what she wanted, who she was, how she moved through the world, and then how to... Hmm. I have this image of wrapping my ego around my self, my capital S self, my innermost true self. And the ego had to be strong enough to, not to contain it, but to support it. It's a, it's a tricky thing to even talk about the ego because the ego is tricky. <laughs> um, I, I like to call the ego the administrative assistant. So, you know, I was learning what it was to put my woman in charge and let my ego be the assistant and the manifester and the executor, executrix of what it was I was to do in the world. Dr. Estes talks about women having a dual nature, the topside woman in the world and the wild instinctual woman. The worldly woman is cultured, practical, puts herself out there. And the inner woman, that woman I was having to cultivate and refine, is elusive. She's wise, but she's quiet. She lives on instinct alone, oblivious to the standards of the topside world. Ideally, women are born wild. We are born wild but we're, we're acculturated. We become bound in the system into which we were born, into the society into which we were born. And ideally, we would flow between the two seamlessly. We would be outward in the topside world when we need to be, but always connected and guided by that instinctual woman inside of us. But our culture has just made it seemingly impossible to live as the wild woman because she's frightening and threatening to the patriarchy. So now our job is to find her again, going into the, the internal deep places to find her and understand her, to, to find our own wilderness and then to learn how to live by her guidance in the topside world. To be loyal to that little voice in our pocket saying, go this way, go that way. And then to do so with grace, groundedness, and confidence and not listen to the voices of anyone judging us or telling us otherwise. And that, my friends, is quite a challenge. 
the culture has so silenced our inner voices that when our relationships begin to disintegrate, we no longer know how to find our way. I didn't know how to find my way. Do you stay or do you go? There's no one right answer. But fierce loyalty is required to whom? Your soul. Your soul. Your soul knows the answer. My soul knew the answer. And as messy as it was, I had to save myself. Now that may mean for you staying in the midst of the storm and doing the hard work. When the little voice says, stay, stay, there's gold here if you stay and do the work. It may mean mean packing up everything in the middle of the night and running for your very life. No one can tell you what that thing is except you. Regardless what is called for, what was called for from me and still from me and for you is a commitment to not the outside voices, not the garments that no longer fit, not the situations that are sucking your soul dry. Where's the commitment? The commitment is to the process. The process of my soul's journey. And that may mean staying in that relationship until the entanglement is worked out. When a woman can inhabit both sides of her nature, the topside world and the wild inner feminine, she becomes a powerhouse. She becomes this force to be reckoned with. Then, when she listens to that still small voice, that becomes the golden thread that she uses to weave her life, to create her life. She listens to that voice, and those dreams become reality in the topside world. Any woman that you admire, I would bet, has learned that process. Personally, it was a tough road, and it still worked. Listening to my inner voice and not the outside voices. Somehow, in my darkest moments, I had enough of that still small voice. I knew enough to stay scrappy, (laughs) to stay alive, to find a way to figure it out. I basically left the house. A friend put me up for several days. Within a week, I had an apartment and a car. I'm not exactly sure how all that happened, but it did. And from then on, despite the pain, the freedom was exhilarating to make my own decisions, to determine my own path. That voice began to lead me 
into the resources I needed, into my into finding my therapist and healing books and new friends and spiritual work. I learned how to stand up in the woman that I am, to own her, claim her, love her. I learned how to dance with that fire, how to forgive myself, and how to forgive others. I learned what I really wanted to build my life on, the creativity intellectual pursuits, the joy of living, the things that made my heart happy. I found my own wild inner feminine, and I learned to stand in her as myself. That's the definition of the word virgin. I owned myself. Regardless of who came and went in my life, I was me. I had me, I loved myself, and I stood in my own autonomy, my own authority, with love for myself and my own path. Life isn't easy. I don't think anyone could claim it's easy, even when you feel solid in your own integrity and your own agency. but the road becomes a little clearer at times. As I began to work with archetypes, I discovered Aphrodite. She was not just the goddess of love or beauty. She was the goddess of her fierce selfness, if you want to call it that. She was fiercely loyal to her own soul. She trusted herself and so made her own decisions regardless of what people around her thought. This type of commitment to the inner wild feminine is interestingly the same type of commitment mentioned by a 17th century monk in this little book called The Sacrament of the Present Moment. I'll link it in the show notes. Jean-Pierre de Cassade. He was teaching nuns in the monastery, and what he taught them was not what you would have imagined. It wasn't obey the church without fail. It was to listen to the voice of Jesus within yourself without fail. To always, always be attentive to that inner voice regardless of the outer voices. And that was revolutionary within his context. Not only that, but his whole premise is that their inner relationship with Jesus 
was the sacrament of the present moment. It was the holiness, the holy ritual of each and every moment. And that listening to your inner compass in each moment was holy. It was a sacrament. That was the sacrament of living righteously, of living beautifully, of living in love. I hope you can feel this sense of inner alignment because when you find that alignment of ooh, this is my compass, this is who I am, this is what guides me. Whether it's a whether it's a God or a Buddha or an archetype or your higher self, it doesn't matter. Once you find the voice, you listen. And when you listen and you put that voice above all others, that's when life truly gets magical. And that, my friends, to me is what we're after, that magic of being here and being fully us. I was not, I was not fully me. I'm not even sure how much of me I was. I was not fully me. And now I am. And when I tap into my own fullness, into this present moment, into the sacrament of this moment in my soul, that is my source of joy, my power, my meanness, the fullness of that which I am. God said, I am that I am. We are we are. It's our isness that is our eternal selves. And so being right here, right now, listening to that inner voice, that inner compass, that's the bomb. <laughs> that's it. That's what I'm here for. Because that voice leads me into joy and my own inner wildness and my creativity and my love and my connection with the natural world, my love connection with all the people in my life and this overflowing wellspring of life within me. It's real and it's accessible So I've gotten off on a preaching tangent. (laughs) And that's what happens when I get that connected with my true self. Because it is, it is my joy. The fire within me. Isn't it interesting we have so many metaphors, either the fire or the wellspring. So that's fire and water you know, whatever works for you. I feel both. I feel this river of life within me and also this fire that, that, that 
burns through me. It doesn't consume me anymore. It burns through me into living my life. And that's all I've ever wanted. Because through that, then, I love better. I love my children. I love my family. I love the world. I work in the world with that much more passion and love and energy and hopefully impact. And that is what I wanted my children to see. That's the kind of mother I wanted them to have. Not someone who had perfected the domestic life, but had domesticated herself out of herself. I wanted them to have a real, live, wild, feminine woman blazing the the way for them to be whoever they want to be. And I can say now, all these years later, that's what's happened. They are both independent women with their own lives, and they feel confident to be themselves and live according to whatever rules work for them. I wish I could say life was easy, or that I have all the answers now. (laughs) I wish I could say that. But here I am. It still gets messy at times. I still have lots of life lessons about how to stand up in my own power and my own authority. And yet, for the most part, I know the, I have the roadmap. Like, I know what to do to continue to get back to my truth. I have saved my life. I can say that. I saved my own life. I found my inner voice, and I listened to her. And the more I listen, the better I can hear, and the stronger she gets, and the more aligned I am with her. I called this episode Holy Rebellion because to me it was holy. I was rebelling against all that I had been taught for the purpose of saving my own life. And I'm calling this series Living Sovereign. Once we are in alignment with our true selves, We become kings, queens of our own life. We put on our crown. We stand tall. And we are sovereign. No one rules our life but us. We are our own agents. And that was where I was headed. That was what I wanted. I wanted 
to know who I was, to stand up in that integrity of my own agency and rule my own life. And that has become my life's work for myself and to share with other women. Because we all need support. And I help women in that process of detangling themselves from whatever box they have found themselves in, whether it be, you know, a marriage, a job, a relationship, anything that has, that they may have stepped into willingly, but now has entrapped them into a system that is no longer right for them. And what I discovered when I got divorced was that there wasn't there wasn't enough acknowledgement and support for the women in that process, in the process of, in the underworld, stripping off all the layers and returning to their essence. So I hope you'll join me for the next episode of Living Sovereign, and I will be talking about spiritual work and archetypes and the ways in which women can learn to be sovereign and the tools that support us in that. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Arlia Hoffman, and I hope you will join us next time here on the Women's Sanctuary. If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. My name is Nadia Dela Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.